So how about some uh, how about some sweet sweet banter? Hit me with that good good banter. Uh, I I asked Andy uh, like so are we gonna give the people the answer to our two truths and a lie thing and Andy was like no I was never gonna bring it up again. No we we can't no. ever address it. No, because I really, it, it brings out like a, a fault that Andy had in the planning process. Well, I, I really I really think people don't care enough about us to care whether well, that's what we were too. lying about. I did get some feedback from a friend who listened to the show that was didn't really care about the game, but was just appalled at the fact that I did not know how to play two truths in a row. Yeah, that was pure yeah. gold. That, that was, was that, that was the funny part. Gold. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he asked if, if they needed to make the name of the game a little bit simpler for me. <laughs> Who's this friend that just savagely burned you? Oh, he's a good friend. Uh, <laughs> you don't want James. to say his name on air? Well, no, James. It's James. Hi, James. Hi, James. Two novels and an anecdote. <laughs> Evan and I were at New York Comic Con this past weekend, and... New York Comic Con made me think of Sex and the City. Sex and the City made me think of which Sex and the City character are you? Wait, but oh goodness. I've never seen Sex and the City. Right. Uh, I've been told I'm a Miranda. Is that is that one of them? I don't know. Yeah, I guess but, you're a Miranda. But uh, I have listened to My Brother, My Brother, and Me. And so I figured we'd say, which McElroy are you? Ooh. Oh, I thought we were going to try and say which Sex in the City character we are, having never seen Sex in the City, and well, just like, I don't know take a characters. stab in the dark. I just yeah. had to do my like five ways to relate this. Is there one called Phoebe? Phoebe? I think it's Phoebe. So are we deciding who each other is? I think that's well, better. Yeah, let's do that then. Um, I mean, it's real easy. Ronald, you're Justin, and Evan, you're Griffin, and I'm Travis. I was going to say, can I be Griffin? Griffin's the best one. That means I'm the best one. I'm okay with being Justin. You're absolutely Justin, 100%. Am I, am I that much yeah, more Justin? Yeah, you are 100% Justin. You even look maybe like a 12-year-younger Justin McElroy, just like a uh, 12 years? Yeah. No. Okay. I don't think so. Also, you like puns the most. Yeah, I mean, the sense of yeah. humor is spot on. <laughs> I do enjoy a good dad joke. And I get mad about dumb stuff all the time. <laughs> and I'm Travis. I'm the wild card. Yeah. And you paint your nails. Yeah. <laughs> Beginning and end of Travis's character. Wild card you got a and like beard, tender nails, and beard. Yeah, I got a beard. Mm-hmm. There we go. Which uh, which McElroy are you? I thought there was going to be more debate. I'm, I'm, that wasn't the best answer. <laughs> no, that was bad. That was you easy. did bad. The good news is, Andy, is that you've set a very low bar for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> it can only go up from here. Exactly. Yeah, after exactly. the two truths and a lie debacle, I guess this could have gone worse. Well, that, but let's dig into this a little bit. Like, what, what about us really exemplifies our McElroy sona? Evan is Griffin because Evan is a little, a little like anal. Yeah, and um, like gets really passionately like uncomfortable or angry about certain things. Yeah, sure. I hate people, and um, yeah, maybe has like more anxieties than you and me, Ronald. Sure. So like that's very Griffin. Mm-hmm. Um, you're Justin in that you probably care the most. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say maybe. I, I that's that's for you to say, not for me to say. Yeah. Um. But I care a lot. You care so much. Yeah, I think it's the sense of humor. You and Justin, I feel like, would like tell the same jokes and laugh at the same jokes. 
hey, that that is a huge compliment. It is. I appreciate yeah. that. Justin's and great. you are such a Travis because like even though you have those latent anxieties and like some of the same things that like Evan and I have with the jokes and, and the anxieties, you just don't care and you just like launch yourself into conversations and into situations because you're like, yeah, yeah I, I can I can hang with this. I can talk about this. It'll work out. Yeah, everything's gonna it, work what, out. What could what could happen? I'll just never talk to you again if it doesn't work out. Pack your bags and move away. <laughs> there you go. I literally took their advice. <laughs> <laughs> and he did and he did in fact just uh say fuck everything and move away and it's worked out pretty well for you huh it has yeah things are things are going all right that's good that's good yeah so let's get so, into the uh, river. Andy, what's what's this show that we're doing we're talking about the yeah, river we're talking about the river some more uh, this is ending pending episode two yeah uh as as attentive listeners will recall last episode we analyzed episodes one and two of the river and so this episode we will be analyzing episodes three and four in episode three of the river uh as you will recall they're still searching for nature documentarian emmett cole who is missing on the amazon we get a little bit of exposition at the very beginning like we found this uh tape and he's standing near a cave uh, so we should go, we should go find that cave, and they're somehow very easily able to find the cave, but anyway, they find the cave, and they, they find a strange eye symbol, and their crypto analyst in residence, uh, Hael, she, she explains to them that it's the symbol of this tribe that guards the forest, and if you're selfish, they'll, uh, do terrible things to you. The Marsego. Yes, so they f- they find the body of a missionary in the cave who's had his eyes gouged out, and no voluntourism here. Yeah, the one camera guy is very very scared of caves and enclosed spaces, so he does not mm-hmm. go. Uh, so they set up camp right outside the cave with the dead guy in it, like you do, um, and in the night some some creepers creep in amongst them and put eye symbols in front of all their tents except the the one camera guy who didn't go in the cave throughout the remainder of the episode one by one they start going blind they they're going blind at seemingly at random pace like some of them start going blind then gradually other ones start going blind except the one camera guy who did not go into the cave the reason that uh the Natives slash dryads were were chasing after them in earnest is because um, someone I believe it was the producer yeah, uh, got Clark. S- Clark got spooked and shot at something that was rustling and it turned out to be uh, a wild boar and then they're like oh fuck oh we fucked up and they run back to the ship the few who are not blind go out. They go out to try to find the antidote for this, whatever is causing this blindness. Uh, and the remainder of the characters are on the ship, the Magus. And the tribesmen who brought about this blindness, and I, it wasn't clear to me if it was like some kind of chemical or if they were cursing them or something, but they, uh, they're trapped on this ship, blind, and these these guardian of the forest tribesmen start coming aboard the ship to try to kill them, I guess. 
the camera guy who can still see and is afraid of caves goes in a cave to find the antidote and brings it back and saves all of them and everything's fine. Episode four starts off with some of Emmett Cole's footage on his creeper tapes. So, like, the stuff that he left on the ship that was on, like, cassette tapes of his documentary. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, not his documentary. His documenting of his trip down the Amazon to look for magic. Uh, and, like, a tree is growing vines that are attacking people. And this is foreshadowing. Uh, so then it cuts back to um, the the party on the ship who have been cured of their blindness and they're carrying on the search like they keep doing. They keep carrying on the search. And um, they find this young man, like, hanging from a tree, apparently having committed suicide. But as they get closer, he starts thrashing and they're like, oh my god, we have to save him. The security fellow shoots him out of the tree with his expert marksmanship and they bring him aboard. Very American of him. Yeah. They bring him, they bring this young man aboard and they realize that it's uh, a young man that Emmett Cole had recently hired to be a cameraman for this uh, magic-seeking trip down the Amazon. And also, as soon as they bring him aboard, like, kind of weird stuff starts happening, like, birds fall out of the sky, and then there's, like, a swarm of bugs, and uh, they're, they're trying to use this this guy to figure out where Emmett Cole is. The young fellow, whose name is Jonas, by the way, that's important because symbolism, his name is Jonas, he sneaks into the the editing room and steals a tape that clearly shows him doing something to anger the forest and being attacked by the trees. And then as the episode unfolds, they realize all of this terrible stuff is happening because Jonas uh, filmed a, a native funeral and in doing so, like, basically stole the soul of a native. And now the, the forest and all of nature is after him to destroy him and will destroy all the other people on board in the process. And so they're faced with the decision of, like, do we leave this kid in the forest to save ourselves, or do we try to fight with nature? And ultimately, they're spared that decision because he's just like, in a in an utter, like bucking of all of his character development up to that point, he decides like, I'll just sacrifice myself to the forest and everything will be fine. They spent the entire episode establishing that he's an asshole, but suddenly he decides. I'm going to sacrifice myself to the forest to save all of you guys. And then, like, he doesn't die. And everything's fine. So, last week, we went directly into what was terrible about episodes one and two. So this week, let's, let's, let's flip the script. Uh, guys, what was successful about episodes three and four of ABC's The River? With episode three, creepy crawly people, uh, their makeup is... So good. Uh, they're they're real weird looking, and the entire mythology around them is kind of interesting. I personally don't think they're human. I think they're some sort of undead, druidic, borderline like dryad. Like I don't think they're human. I think they're closer to some sort of Amazonian fae 
revenge spirit type things. They seem to have like an unnatural ability to know like what's going on. They seem to understand English. They're also like their abilities, their like supernatural ability to move quietly. They also don't have eyes. Yeah. Also the whole like not having eyes. And some of them had like really like hardcore scars on their head and stuff. Are they human? Are they not human? Are they fully alive? Are they not fully alive? There's a lot going on there. Uh, I think they were neat. I think that's an interesting take because I actually just that didn't occur to me that they were like spirits and I was like a little annoyed at like how they were portrayed but I'm glad you said that because that changed my perspective a little bit anyway carry on I thought that if I can interject I thought anybody a Power Rangers fan because I thought they just looked like the putty patrollers yes they, the, like they, the gray, they did look the gray like the mud putties. people that they I just thought they were a little Earth. bit better than the putties, but I see what you're saying now that you say it. I think that they looked, I that because it's funny that you said that they looked good. I think that is a credit to the way that they were shot. Um, yeah. Like you would, you never saw them on the screen for more than a couple of seconds at a time. Oh, yeah. um, they were shot really, really scary. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I think if I think if we like like got to like have a long shot on them it might not have held up as well because it's one of the few uh, mystical things that is a physical or a, uh, a practical effect yeah. on this show. Um, but to your, to your point, like it was, it was shot very spookily and very creepy and it, it sold the mysticism in a thing that was probably the least mystical thing we've encountered thus far. Yeah. I do think the sort of horror shots were better. I, I complained in the first episode that, um, they they threw a lot at you in terms of just like you get to you get to see all the all the stuff you get to see the ghost you get to see what's under the blanket like you they just sort of like lay it all out there but i think they got a little bit more finesse in their their angles and whatnot in filming i really i really enjoy this when they do like the branches shaking in the background i know that this is an easy trope to do but it's one of my favorite ones where like somewhere in the background you just see things shaking and you can't tell what it is um episode three also uh really highlighted for me aj the cameraman and kurt the security guy um aj just knocks it out of the park AJ is fantastic. So great. The whole, when he realizes he has to go into the tree and his tantrum is great. His whole like setting up the cameras for the hero shot. Um, like everything about him in episode three is, is gold. Every scene he's in, that actor steals it. And then um, you see Kurt be weak in this episode. And up to that point, he's just been like this brick wall of like no personality really no humanity he is just the guy with the guns who uh like stares a lot and um him pretending to still be able to see was great uh him getting scared and stabbing clark he kind of reminds me of, of boba fett a little bit where he he does lots of little movements and things and um doesn't say a lot but he he's a badass uh but we got to like actually see him emote so uh, they yeah. were great in episode three. As far as episode four is concerned, things that I thought were really good were um, it immediately builds up Jonas as an unlikable douchebag. Like, even before you find out that he fucking stole someone's soul, 
<laughs> he he deserves to be eaten by the rainforest. Absolutely. I don't think his arc is the arc we're supposed to care about in episode four. You're supposed to care about Lincoln's arc because here he is um, completely willing to sacrifice everything, the mission, the ship, the crew, in order to protect someone that he thinks doesn't deserve to die. Um, whereas everyone else is willing to sell this kid out. And it is um, Lincoln's righteousness that uh, takes this unlikable douchebag on a journey to then do something selfless for other people because Lincoln doesn't know him and was willing to sacrifice for him. The biggest complaint about you can say about that episode is it feels rushed. But, um, yeah, I think there's, there's still enough there to carry it. And I think that that was... Uh, like a, a strong plot point and, and it develops Lincoln further. Uh, so that to me was good. Um, also all of the like plague stuff was, was real spooky. Like the birds and the bugs and then the flood and everyone on the crew is trying to explain it scientifically with like a storm coming and whatnot. But like, nah, we all know it's, it's awful. I think, Tess, when she gets all the information out of Jonas, then is like, yeah, get him off my ship. Like, what a yeah. boss-ass bitch moment. Right. Like, that Especially was that, so stone right. cold. Like, that whole episode starts with a point about, like, leadership and how Emmett was a leader. And, like, this show, this ship needs a leader. And she's, like, constantly, like, cut down by Kurt and, and Clark the entire episode. And then she's just like, nah, get out of here. You lose. That was fantastic. Um, I think they continued to use a lot of real good horror imagery. Um, the boar's head in the floating in the water. People have started going blind at this point. And uh, Kurt is like wandering around the, the deck very, very edgy. Because like he can't shoot blindness, you know. Um, and <laughs> he's, he's totally out of his depth. So he's wandering yeah. around the deck like clearly very on edge like, hearing rustling and, like, seeing moving and, like, low-key freaking out. And then he looks over the side of the, bo- of the boat and, like, the boar's head is, like, like his severed head is floating in the water. That was a real good moment. As for me, I complained a little bit last time about how the format of the show and the way that they were shooting it wasn't really holding up for me. Um, it works I, I, I know we're going to save that for the end, but all of a sudden, at least that part of it, it totally works for me now. Yeah, there Ronnie were gets moments it. where, yeah, <laughs> well, there were moments where, like, I don't know if this is a function of, you know, the, the you know, things getting smoother and then having to do less, um, like, exposition, um, or just the fact that, like, everyone on the ship is getting more chummy with each other in, in fiction, um, but you hear, like, the people behind the camera talking to each other and stuff like that, and... There were, like, the bleeps. There were a lot more bleeps mm-hmm. um, in this for the curse words, which, which just made it seem like it was really, it, you know, it, it it was a show that would probably be shown on, like, ABC or a network, so they would have to bleep it out. The relationship between Tess and Lincoln, the mother and son, like, I, I totally bought into it this episode. The relationship between Lincoln and Lena, like, it totally was night and day from that pilot episode. The jo- Jonas, I don't know if anyone here has watched the show Greek that used to be on at the time was ABC Family, now Freeform. 
it was a college uh, fraternity show that I watched as it came out. And it's probably pretty problematic by today's standards. Um, but, but I enjoyed it as a high school student. And uh, Jonas plays a character called Cappy, who is like just a slightly more likable douchebag. But it was good to see Cappy again. Um, <laughs> this is like a really tiny thing. But I love that when uh, Cappy gets his camera taken away and then he takes out his phone to record it because I can't tell you how many times I've been watching a movie or a TV show and I'm like, why don't you just use your phone? Yeah, why does everybody forget their cell phone exists? Like, why don't you use your phone to record this happening or why don't you use your phone to call someone or why don't you use your phone to take a picture or why don't you use your phone to look that up on the internet? Like it, it's it, never it's never a solution to a problem when right. it's right there and super obvious. And so the fact that it was a um you know, more of a cause super problem this time, but he, he used it to solve oh, my camera got taken away while I have my phone. Like yeah. that was very millennial That's, of him and I'm very proud right. of him. We're gonna now talk about um what failed a little bit. Um and I'm just gonna go through my notes as far as episode three goes. Um, as I said, I think it did a much better job with the cameraman motif in this episode. And what I wrote down was, if they just had one one line where it says, like, shut off that damn camera, it would make it a million times better. Very early in episode four, and a couple of times in episode four, we get that line. And I said, okay, okay, you're, you're chipping away at my issues here, the river. And then one of the other things I was wor- concerned about was that, we're doing a very Monsters of the Week thing, as Evan pointed out last week. Um, that's It's fine, but for an eight-episode show, it's not super. So I was like, yeah. you know, are these things connected? Like, are we going to eventually get to a point where we find out that these things are all woven together? Yep. And then in episode four, they talk about the source. We talk, you know, Kurt mentions the source in episode one and how he is going to destroy the source and, and take out Emmett if he's still alive. Um and all of a sudden, they talk about that, and it's just like, man, I'm trying to have some problems with you, with the river, but I, I honestly, I, I really, really liked this three and four, uh, episode three and four. Okay, my complaints were that the blindness episode, episode three, felt too much like the doll episode. Uh, I feel like they used a lot of similar techniques um, they used the time lapse thing while they were sleeping, and like something's creeping into the campsite. Something's creepy. Um, they used that angle. Um, I do feel like, like you said, they are sort of going with a monster of the week thing, and I do feel like that episode was the least connected thus far to the other episodes. Um, because the exposition, exposition at the beginning where they were just like, oh yes, in this video, Emmett Cole is near a cave, so we have to go to this cave. Like, and they didn't really make any progress at any point throughout the episode towards their objective of, like, finding Emmett Cole. Um, I also feel like it's very, very difficult to convey the horror of blindness in a visual medium. So being blind is really, really terrifying. Like, that's the sense we rely on the most. But uh, I feel it was very hard to 
sort of put yourself in the position of the characters because you're seeing everything that's happening the whole time. And I think they tried. Like, that's, I think that's why they were um, better with the, uh, like... The shots the, of them wandering the ship by sense only, like Hyel and Tess did, I think was trying to establish that. And uh, linking... It didn't connect like, with me, though. Trying to find... Uh, the knife and whatnot, like digging through drawers. I think they tried, but yeah, you're right. That's yeah. a definitely a difficult thing to try to portray. Yeah. Uh, so I think that to, was to your to your point, Evan. Like I think it was a um, they used it more as a tool than anything else. Uh, not having people be able to see it allowed people to have those candid moments that they might not have had if they could see other people around. We learned more about Clark and Tess's relationship. Um, we see Kurt calling in a, um, you know, a, a evacuation mm-hmm. to whatever his uh, his handlers are, which was think, a really fun line Kirk's, where Tess, or where I think Kirk's was bit was more valuable than the bit with, right. um, like in terms of storytelling, his bit was sure. more valuable, where he was like talking yeah. on the phone and he, he convinced the uh, what's her name, Lena. Lena. That like he was praying or whatever. It was such a good line. It was, was such a. Yeah. It was so like deadpan from him. I'm just like, what? Are, what are you doing? Praying. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I really don't care that much about right. Tessa and, and um, and Clark. Clark. I really like. I I don't think that connection's compelling at all. Right. And and they rectified it very quickly in that episode when yeah. when Lincoln is like has his hand inside of, of Clark doing the surgery after the uh, the knife wound that like it's just like okay it's fine like it, it was a weird thing to waste so much time on yeah I, I um, that was another thing I really felt that was pointless like yeah. um, I think he could have learned about I mean what we learned from that is that uh, Emmett abandoned Tess to go on this like spirit quest or whatever. Um, but I think we could have learned about that. Uh, maybe, maybe like building the relationship between uh, Tess and Lincoln a little bit. We could have had some kind of interaction where he found out and like uh, he sort of confronts her about it, sort of. But like, I just felt like it was a, a real weak plot point, like that uh, Tess and Clark had like banged or whatever, and you find out about it because they don't realize that. Lincoln is in the room because they're blind. Like, but they, but they know. I mean, okay. So even in that scene, it it shows to light more of like the camera issue that I was having last time, where immediately Tess says, "You have to fa- find the cameras that are recording this and erase them, mm-hmm. like destroy them." Like it, it, they are having that candid moment. I do but knowing love that like, bit. yeah, we have to like we have to make sure this is taken care of because then it's like, well, how many times have has this happened before now? And he even um, says. It won't like that won't be the first time right exactly yeah. um yeah but yeah so i felt that there were i mean there were definitely elements that worked but i feel like uh too similar to to doll episode um the blindness wasn't conveyed effectively i feel like and, and that bit of story was really pointless like it didn't add much to the to the character development didn't really add anything to like our experience as a viewer like learning about these characters because it was resolved like within the episode and fairly anticlimactically um uh i did like the 
the Jonas episode, the Jonah episode, uh, <laughs> a lot more. But the end was actually more of a letdown because I liked it so much. I wanted them to have to make the choice to kill that dude or let him live. I thought it was a real cop-out that at the end he was like, they spent the entire episode establishing what an enormous self-serving douchebag he was. Right. And then right at the end, and I know Andy was saying like, oh, it's because Lincoln had been so kind to him, but he had never shown like, like besides saving his own skin, he hadn't really shown appreciation for Lincoln's defense of him up until that point and he just suddenly very abruptly decides like i'll sacrifice myself so you all can live he spent the entire episode like 100 percent willing to put everyone else in danger to save his own ass and yeah. then as soon as they um are really getting to the sort of emotional nitty-gritty of like we're gonna sacrifice him to the forest and then lincoln is adamantly like no we can't do this we're human beings like like He's a jerk, but we can't do we can't do that. Like yeah. we have to fix the mistakes my dad made, you know. Like and there that's a real like they're really building, really building to something there. And um and making decisions is scary. Like making hard life and death decisions is like a real good psychological thriller element. And like they really copped out first of all by having uh Jonas take that decision upon himself. And second of all, by not actually killing him, like he's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to like I'm going to like throw myself on the tree and let the tree strangle me. But like it doesn't. It's just like, all right, I guess because you were like willing, it's fine. Like, we'll let you go. Like the the tree just like releases him and he's fine. And I'm like, what does it not? One, I think all of your complaints are, are, are incredibly valid there, that they did cheapen the emotional weight and took it out of the main character's hands and put it into douchebag Jonas's. But in the blindness episode, Lincoln says, every everything in the jungle has a counter. So Lena not, says that. Lena says that, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Would not Jonas's selflessness be the counter to the the soul stealing, perhaps, and that's what they're trying to play into? Well, I I thought it was a perfectly rational one for one. Like he stole a soul, he's got to give his back. Like it didn't, like a like a death for a death. Like uh, I didn't feel like that was balanced. I don't feel like his like willingness to like. I mean, the whole show is about like how like they're like the jungle's really cruel like the jungle is really uh really sadistic in a lot of ways and like yeah there's there's ways out of stuff but uh, it just felt it it maybe they could have done it differently to to make it have that outcome and still feel like an emotionally rich moment but I, I felt very disappointed by it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Evan. And I I was really ready for it to happen, um, except for the fact that accidentally while surfing IMDb before I watched the episodes, I saw that that character had more than one episode under his credits. So I knew he was going to like live for longer than that. Um, but yeah, I just think the stakes needed to be a little bit higher there. Like he, it, it 
for and and here's where I'll say for the episode itself, I think he needed to die. I think that would have been a good ending to the episode. Yeah. From a writing perspective, these are four people. These are people that have had now had four near death experiences by means they can't explain or understand, and they're still charging forward. I think that having this new character injects an idea of like the what we're still going, we're gonna keep doing like. Everyone else is like almost like jaded to it at this point, where I think that injecting Jonas into the Jonas into the uh, into the crew is going to be that guy that's just like, wait, we're doing what? What's going on here? This is crazy. Like, I think that'll it'll reinvigorate that uh, that fear factor a little bit. For those of you who don't remember your Bible stories, uh, like Jonas was clearly like Jonah, like like he's angered God, so we have to throw him off the boat, like. That mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, um, but um, yeah. The the last person who died was in episode one, right? Right. Yeah, we've the we've, fruit delivery guy got eaten by bugs. Yeah, he, he only was... had like one line though. Like the last that character really... died. Yeah, in right. One, yeah. The last like right. person who we as the viewer sort of started to have some kind of relationship with died in episode one. And right. like the, but the fruit vendor guy dying, like that at least raised the stakes of the event for me. Like it was yeah. like, oh bugs, that's gross, it's annoying, and that's like, oh no, no, they're gonna eat you alive. Yeah. Get out of there! What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that did make the bugs a lot scarier for sure. Right. Um, I did like Jonas, Jonas's yeah, Jonas's bit about <laughs> uh, when when Kurt accused not Kurt, fuck, Clark. When Clark, Clark accused him of being the cause of the bugs, Jonas was like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? I can't summon bugs. I'm not doing this. That's yeah. irrational. It was... Uh, that was a funny bit. I, yeah. yeah. I, I, I do... I appreciate what you're talking about, the Evan, with like the stakes. It's like, even with episode three, like when people started to go blind, I was, I was fully ready for Hael's father... Um, to just he is a blind character now, mm-hmm. and that that's something that like the the crew has to has to deal with and overcome. Um, one thing about episode four that I noticed after having the awesome AJ episode three, AJ wasn't in episode four. He, he might have been yeah. there behind the camera, but there was no you know showing of him or his voice or anything, mm-hmm. and it's like. Those, these things happen on, on film sets that, like, you know, you're off doing something else, and, and this show has a great mask for that, that, oh, that person was just behind the camera the whole time. Um, but I just, you know, it, it makes sense narratively, but I just wanted a little bit of AJ this episode after having yeah. such, a, such an awesome episode previously. That's another reason why I think episode three felt so disconnected from the other episodes. Like, that was one of my complaints, that it felt like they made, they made the least progress, and that that storyline also felt the most self-contained of, of mm-hmm. everything so far. <laughs> so, so guys, we are uh, halfway through the season of, uh, of The River, and I gotta ask you, uh, I'll, go, I'll go with Evan first this time. Evan, is it working? I don't know. I'm a little ambivalent about it. Um... Again, like I, like I said last time, uh, in a binge-watching context, I'll keep watching it, because I've, I've, I've come this far, um, but were I watching this once a week, 
uh, I think I would have lost interest by now, just because it's continuing to make blunders that annoy me. Um, even though I like the premise, and there are a lot of things that I do like, um, I still don't care that much about the characters. Like, we did get some development, but I feel like it's it's few and far between the, the moments that are really, like, telling of each individual character. Uh, AJ being the exception, I said during, uh, as we were watching this episode, like, I think AJ is my favorite character. And you very seldom see him, but he's, I think, the most interesting one. Uh, they're trying to set up all these relationships between the other characters, and they're just not, like, grabbing me. Like, I don't find much compelling about, like, what's going on between these other characters. Um, so, uh, I, I think I am reaching a point where I see why it got canceled. Um, to your point, Evan, I made, like, a little chart of, like, why people are still on this ship. And it's like Tess is here for, I guess, love and kind of guilt. There Maybe there's more. Lincoln is here because he kind of like wants to, it seems like in episode four, he's like trying to win his father's respect still uh, and all these other reasons. you know. But like AJ is just like, I guess they're paying you, but like how are they paying you good? Like why are you still <laughs> doing this? Like even Kurt, like Kurt's getting paid, but like he's got like his handlers who like he, he's in, instructed to like, follow through with things and clark has like love and money involved then it's like aj why aj why like they're making you crawl into caves and stuff and there's bats we didn't even talk about the bats that that gave me palpitations that is like my greatest fear is like being in some place close and then flying rats just like surround you um but yeah aj is just like maybe he's like that interesting because like we just don't know why you're here but we're happy you're here thanks for sticking around i think he is the voice of the audience kind of like if anyone watching the show was put in that situation they'd be like nope like bleep bleep this noise i'm outie and that's basically aj but he sticks around god bless Mm -hmm. him well he tries to leave uh in episode three i mean he like he's fully ready to like hike Ditch all the way them. fuck ba- the fuck back to civilization like he's talking about it he's like i'm gonna be at a double tree hotel in like eight days i just gotta like figure my way out of here and then he just happens to stumble upon the tree and he's like oh no oh no now i have to save everybody like like his sort of like better nature just like like takes over he's like i'm already here like this like this this is the one tree they Mm -hmm. need i'm already here like and they're gonna die so i guess i gotta fucking do this like he's looking for that double tree but he finds that single tree (laughs) um so that's that's exactly what we mean how you're you're justin mcelroy i listen uh, now i'm leaning into it now i'm just like um Andy, uh, surely I, I think I know this, but uh, is it working? No, I need to lead into my wild card, Travis Nature, and say no. <gasps> no, it's absolutely working. I love this show. Um, I can't help it. I think it's a good show. I think it's spoopy. I know it makes me afraid, and I think it's put together real well. I think the character dynamics are still intriguing me at this point. I'm still curious about the mysteries that they're setting up uh they're they're teasing it a bit more with kurt's handlers and they're teasing more into the like weird sex 
quadrilateral quadrangle yeah whatever's going on there with all the people who are boning down <sighs> and they're leaning into the mystery of what what's going on with Hiel and how she know about this shit so yeah like the the mysteries that they're teasing along i think are working and i'm intrigued to see what happens next hey hey ronald yeah is it working um it is i have kind yeah. of turned a corner on it yeah you're drinking my kool-aid there's there's just these moments that i i'm i didn't write a whole lot of notes for episode four which means that I enjoyed it. Which means that I wasn't looking for for bad things. For episode one and two, I literally wrote down every line that was like grueling for me to get through because it's like you really like expect me to buy into this narrative, this relationship. And there was one line I wrote down in the very beginning of episode three. But other than that, like the writing, I don't know if it's gotten better or if it's gotten less noticeable, which means it's gotten better. Um, <laughs> like it, it's working for me. The the, the scary moments that are like the moments outside of the mystical stuff are working for me. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm even like, I don't even know if we want to talk about something like this, but I'm starting to like get into like theories. Like I'm trying to figure out like what them. is going to be happening at the end. Yeah, I do want to hear your well, theories. Well, the Magus is, you know, like the singular form of Magi. Um, and so, the, you know, the Magi who, who, who uh, ventured across the desert to find Jesus. Like, is it, is this like a Christine, Do you know, Christine, the Stephen King, um, the, per, the person dies and their soul inhabits the car and the car is always trying to drive to the hospital to save the person who died. Um, is this boat, like what is like guiding them towards the source? Like, is this, no matter who enters the co- this crew is like the ghost in the ship. Um, that would uh, make a pretty compelling argument, considering so many of the characters' rationale for carrying on with the expedition is fairly weak. <laughs> right, like, the, like there's even epi- like parts of of episode four where they're talking about like we have to go back, we have to get help for Jonas, like we can't continue on, and then things start to happen around them that make that impossible, and it's like okay, well we're gonna keep carrying on with what we're doing, and the ship is like yes, yes, <laughs> like I like. That's that's just one theory I have that like the ship itself is is what's guiding everybody and not so much like and it's the same thing that guided Emmett and so we're we're following Emmett but at the same time the ship is in control or the, or the spirit of the ship is in control. That's real interesting. Uh, yeah, it's definitely I, I, more interesting than like we gotta find my dad who I hate. I guess like yeah, I'll take a hit of what um, you're smoking, Ronald. Yeah, that's some good hey, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm invested in not all the characters and to Evan's point, like I don't care about the, the Clark and Tess relationship and I don't think the show anticipates that's caring about it any longer. Um, but like AJ, I love like Lena and Lincoln's relationship. That's getting very interesting. Um, I'm very invested in finding out like what's going on with the secret organization that Kurt's involved with. I'm very interested in seeing what episode five and six have in store for us. Um, one other thing I just wanted to mention real quick is that I'm watching this on Hulu and so I'm getting served ads and one of the ads was for, uh, the Inhumans on ABC and I had a moment of like, Ooh, we'll be doing that. (laughs) We already talked about that. We were like, has it officially been canceled yet? Like, uh, it's only a matter of time. I don't want to touch it. I hate the Inhumans so much, but my, my utter rage, I'm sure would be podcast gold. Oh, it'd be great. Inhumans. If only for Lockjaw. Lockjaw is adorable. (sighs) 
Big Paparoo. I heard he gets he written out in the first episode. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think that, even though it's a bad show, I don't think they're that dumb to write out, like, the Puppo. Yeah, yeah but Merchandising. He, I'm sure he's expensive. To animate, oh, yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, any housekeeping stuff, Ronald? Um, well, I want to thank, uh, if you guys want to thank um, Risa. Our friend Risa is a very talented illustrator, and she did us a little logo. It looks great. It's fantastic. It does look great. It looks cool. way better than You've... what you did, Ronnie. No offense. No, it, it, the the new uh, podcast art is fantastic. Um, we'll be linking to Risa um, on our Facebook and Twitter. So thank you so much for that. We also got our first review on iTunes. This one comes to us from Micah.Murd. He said it was a fun, entertaining show that the three hosts have great personalities that are different and play off each other, that no one falls flat, and gave us five stars. Thank you so much, Micah. Uh, If you want to review our show, you can head over to our iTunes page, and the link to that will be in all of our social media accounts. Uh, As always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or any other uh, podcast platform that you use to download your content. We sure would appreciate it. We definitely would. Consume our Um, stuff. Right. And if you do like it, you can tell us so on Twitter. Uh, You can follow us at PendingPod on Facebook at PendingPod. And you can send us email at uh, PendingPod at gmail.com. If you use uh, the hashtag PendingPod or the hashtag NeverDoingFirefly, we might even read your tweet on the show. Or if you send us an email. There is a fairly, and I say fairly with a very loose term, there's a fairly active subreddit for the river. And I'm really just hoping, I, I feel kind of weird like posting it on there ourselves, but I hope that they find this and and, uh, and post it on there. Make a, make a fake account and spend, you know, several months building it up as though it's a real account and then be like, yo guys, look what I found. Now if some rando actually posts this there, they're just going to think it was us. Yeah, Damn it. true. I'll cut this all out. Uh, <laughs> Next week, uh, we're doing episodes five and six yeah yes five and six um so guys i was hoping maybe for the next show we could uh maybe do firefly we're never doing firefly no 